Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Well, good morning. Grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14. You know, for the last couple of months, we, we've had this sermon series that we've called Radical, the hard sayings of Jesus, where we're walking canonically through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're stopping at some of the toughest teachings Jesus ever spoke. And the crazy thing is that I, I feel like each week I say, this may be the hardest saying Jesus ever said. You know, I mean, each one seems harder than the last. And last week I said to you, This may be the hardest saying Jesus ever said. But as we turn to Luke 14, I say to you again, this may be the hardest saying Jesus ever said. You you know, there are several dates that stand out in my life as high watermarks of tremendous blessing, tremendous joy. February 2nd, 1980, uh, December 14, 1982, June 1, 2002, October 6th, 2005, June 19, 2008, June 23rd, 2010, December 29, 2011, June 3rd, 2014. Now those dates, they probably mean nothing to you, but they mean the world to me. You see, on February 2nd, 1980, that's the day that made Jimmy and Susan Simpson a daddy and a mommy. Man, the day they were blessed to have me as their baby boy. December 14th, 1982. That's the day I became a brother. That's when my little brother, Matt, was born. June 1, 2002. That's the day that my lovely wife and I said our I do's. She became my wife until death do we part. October 6, 2005. That's the day that I first became a daddy. The day that my son, Zachariah, was born. June 19, 2008. It's the day my son, Elijah, was born. June 23, 2010, that's the day that my sweet daughter, my only daughter, Elizabeth, was born. December 29, 2011, uh, that's the day that my son Nathaniel was born. And then June 3, 2014, that's the day that my son Samuel was born. Now, none of those dates are probably your dates, but you all have dates that represent the people whom you love dearly and who are important to you. If I were to ask you, who are the most important people in your life? It would probably be those people represented by those dates, right? Your birth date, your siblings' birth dates, your anniversary, your kids' birth dates. That's who it is for me. If you were to ask me, who are the most important people in my life? These are the people who would make that list. The people from my family and from my birth family. My wife and children and mom, dad and, and brother. And I love them. In fact, I love them dearly. I would give the shirt off my back. They've given theirs to me. I would die for them if need be. My life is immeasurably blessed by them. And and I hope you would say the same thing about your family and about your birth family. It's natural to love them dearly. But you know what's not only natural, it's right, isn't it? You should love your mom and dad. You should love your siblings. You should love your spouse and your children and your grandchildren. And guys, that's what makes today's hard saying so stinking 
hard. You see, Jesus strikes at the very upper echelon of our natural affections here on earth. Jesus basically says, there is one whom you should love more than those you love the most. And he says it in a way that is utterly shocking. I'm going to invite you to stand. Please stand to honor the reading of the Word of God today. Found in Luke 14, verse 25 through 33. Luke 14, 25 through 33. The Word of God says this, beloved. Now great crowds accompanied him, that's Jesus. And he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and a wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate, whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes at him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us to understand your scripture here, God? This is a hard saying. It is a hard saying that's inspired by you. And so not only can we understand it, God, not only can we um, grasp what it means here on earth, but God, we can rejoice in what's written here because it's from you and it's good. So help us today. And Father, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, was yet to repent and believe on your son, Jesus. Would you help them to do that today? Would you call them, convict them, call them, God, to the cross of Christ? We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Grab your seats. So here's today's takeaway. And this is what I believe Jesus is trying to communicate to you and to me. And here it is. Today's takeaway. Your relationship with Jesus should be the most precious thing to you on earth. Let me say it again. Your relationship with Jesus should be the most precious thing to you on earth. Now, beloved, listen to me closely. Jesus will not be second to anybody or any thing. So this leads us this morning to two don'ts. Two don'ts. If your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to you on earth, then our text says that there are two things that you don't do. First is this. Don't put anything before Jesus. Don't put anything before Jesus. Now, math was, was never my, my strongest subject, right? I, I got by. But you know, so much of math is dealing with what we call equalities. Equalities. For instance, two plus two equals four. That's right. And 10 minus three equals what? Seven. You guys are good. (laughs) Five times five equals 
25, that's right. Uh, 16 divided by 2 equals 8, right? So those are math equalities, right? You, every time I, I said the, 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 the problem there, uh, you heard the word equals in there. The numbers on the left of the sign equal the numbers that are on the right side of the sign. But equalities are not the only math that we deal with. We also deal with something that's called inequalities, inequalities, where the numbers to the left of the symbol are greater or lesser than the numbers to the right. So you wouldn't say two plus two equals five. What would you say? You would say two plus two is less than five. And again, you wouldn't say three plus four equals one. You would say three plus four is greater than one. So these are inequalities and and, and we're taught to picture the little inequality symbol as an alligator's mouth right an alligator's mouth an alligator always eats which number the the biggest number or the littlest number that's right the biggest number well jesus here in our text gives us some inequalities in luke 14 he points to three things that he is greater than more precious than In other words, your relationship with Jesus should be the most precious thing to you on earth. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Here's the first inequality. Jesus is greater than your family. Jesus is greater than your family. Now, by this point in the text, I mean, Jesus, he's amassed an incredible following. I mean, his teaching, his miracles, especially his miracles of, of feeding people, and they had attracted an astounding crowd. He was popular. He was, and growing even more popular. But Jesus decided that it was time for a reality check. It was, it was time to see who was really real, to see who were just fans and who were the real followers. And so Jesus draws this dividing line in the sand. Three times here in our text, he states, verse 26, verse 27, and verse 33, who cannot be his disciple verse 26 see that cannot be my disciple verse 27 see it again cannot be my disciple and then finally in verse 33 cannot be my disciple so the first one here is in verse 26 it's connected with jesus being greater than your family verse 26 look at it he says if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters he cannot be my disciples. Man, now at first blush, this may be confusing to you because it seems absolutely contradictory to what the Bible teaches elsewhere. I mean, even what Jesus himself teaches. I mean, it's the Bible that says to honor your mom and dad. It's the Bible that says to love your brother over and over again, right? The Bible says to love your spouse. Husbands, love your wives, it says. And for parents to love their children. And, and, and here Jesus is calling us to hate them. Now, on its face, it, it seems contradictory. Beloved, I want you to understand that it's not. You see, Jesus here is not calling you and me to actually hate these people. He's using exaggerated language. He's using hyperbole. The word hate, you see, was commonly used in Jesus' day as a figurative way of saying something uh, uh, was of lesser priority. 
There is something that should be chosen above that. There is something greater than, and there is something lesser than. For instance, one of the most famous passages in the Bible is in Malachi 1, verse 2 and 3, where God says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? And here's God's answer. Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. Romans 9, 13, it quotes the same passage as it's written. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, these passages don't mean that God literally hated Esau, right? We know that God is love. But rather, they mean that God chose Jacob over Esau. Jacob was God's priority. And so Jesus is using hate in the same way. You are to prefer Jesus over your family. You are to prioritize Jesus over your family. You are to choose, if you ever have to choose, Jesus over your family. Man, you know, this dynamic is really so much a part of my testimony. It was at an evening worship service on the shores of Rough River Lake at church camp all the way back in like 1990 or 1991 when I was 10 or 11 years old. When I first felt the Holy Spirit call me to salvation. Now the preacher that evening, man, he shared the gospel clearly. And I clearly felt the Holy Spirit calling me and drawing me to surrender my life to Jesus. But you know what? I fought it. I, st- I still remember sitting there on those little wooden benches and, and this lump in my throat. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger as I fought back all of the emotion that was welling up inside me. And I must have looked like one of those big old bullfrogs all puffed out in the middle of a ribbit, you know. I mean, the Holy Spirit was strong. But I fought hard. And the paramount thought in my mind at that time was this. I don't know what my parents would think about this. I mean, they weren't Christians at the time. And I just couldn't bring myself to make a break like that from my family. And so in that moment, y'all, I chose my family over Jesus. But I mean, praise God that the Holy Spirit kept coming back over the years until I finally chose Jesus over my family at the age of 17 in 1997. And I was the first person in my family to trust Christ and, and praise God. Since then, every person in my birth family has come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, right? And as a special grace, I've gotten to baptize every one of them. Isn't that amazing? My brother was first uh, in 2003, and then my mom in 2014, and then my dad in 2015. Man, it's just amazing. But beloved, listen to me, please, please, don't let your relationship with your family keep you from your relationship with Jesus, because Your mama, as sweet as she is, didn't die for your sins. And your daddy, as big and as strong as he is, didn't die for your sins. Your brothers or sisters, as cool as they are, didn't die for your sins. Your wife, your husband, didn't die for your sins. And Lord knows your kids. They didn't die for your sins, right? But Jesus did. Jesus did. Right now, there are people all over this world being held in the power of the devil by the threat that their family will disown them if they trust in Jesus. And so maybe that's even part of your story. 
But I say to you, Jesus is greater than all the earthly family in the world. Now, don't get me wrong, man. Family is great. I mean, especially in this anti-family age that we live in where family is devalued over and over again. Jesus is still greater. And if you ever have to choose family or Jesus, choose Jesus every time. But not only is Jesus greater than family, second we see here in the text that Jesus is greater than your possessions. Now look here with me at verse 33. Verse 33 says, though, or, or so, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now your possessions are cool. They're great. I'm glad you have them. I'm glad I have mine. But... Our possessions are worthless compared to Jesus. It was the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, he said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I I cannot, or I count everything, he said. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Yet, it was the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and wanted to gain eternal life. And what did Jesus say? Jesus named off some things, and and the rich young ruler said, I've done those. Is there anything else? And Jesus said this, all you have to do to gain eternal life is to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And instead of saying, is that it? I'll do it in a heartbeat, Jesus, so I can have you, all that stuff. I'll get rid of it. Instead of doing that, Matthew 19, 22 tells us, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, church, his possessions were more precious to him than Jesus. And if that's you this morning, you cannot be Jesus' disciple. Don't let that be a barrier. Jesus is greater than all those things. But not only is Jesus greater than your family and greater than your possessions, finally, Jesus is greater than your life. Look again at verse 26, Luke 14, 26. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, now skip forward there, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I know what you're thinking, man. Hating my family, that's, that, that, that's radical. Hating my possessions, that's not as radical as hating my family, but, but okay. But then we get to this one here. Hating my very own life, that's radical. He comes to the most precious thing that you have in your life, which is life itself. There, deep down inside of you, is this innate drive to preserve your own life, right? We don't die easily. We fight. But Jesus said that we should preserve, that we should prefer our relationship with him over our very lives. You know, many Christians over the centuries, when they've been faced with that choice, Jesus or live, right? Follow Jesus and die or reject Jesus and live. Many Christians over the centuries have chosen the better part. By choosing Jesus and death 
than to reject Jesus in their life. You know, even Jesus' own 12 apostles. Guys, died the martyr's death because of their faith. We're not sure of all of them, but tradition kind of passed along tells us this, that Andrew died on a sideways cross. Simon was crucified, the zealot. Bartholomew was flayed alive. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. The other James, the son of Alphaeus, was beaten to death. Thomas was run through with a lance. Matthias was stoned, and that didn't kill him, so they beheaded him. Matthew was slain by the sword. Peter was crucified upside down. Thaddeus was shot to death with arrows. Philip was hanged. The only apostle out of those 12 that died of old age was John. And if you know anything about John, the dude didn't get off easy. You know what I'm saying? He faced intense persecution his entire life. But I say to you this morning, why did these men choose Jesus when faced with the possibility, live and reject Jesus, or follow Jesus and die. Why did they choose Jesus? And the answer is, is because Jesus is greater than your life. Matthew 10, 39 says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The apostle Paul, who was beheaded because of his faith in Jesus, said in Philippians 1, 21, he said, for me to live is Christ." And to die is what, church? Gain. Jesus is greater than your life. So I'll say this morning, don't put anything before Jesus, right? Don't put your family, don't put your possessions, don't even put your life, because your relationship with Jesus should be the most precious thing to you on earth. And so I wonder this morning, is there anything more precious to you than Jesus this morning? Some of you have yet to repent and trust in Jesus and be saved because you value something more than Jesus. I don't know what that is. Right? God knows and you know. Maybe you don't even know. Right? Maybe you need God to show you. Ask God, God, show me what it is that I love more than you, that I value more than you. Some of you, it's your own pride. You don't want to be dependent upon anyone. You don't want to walk down the aisle. And not that you have to walk down the aisle to get saved. Of course you don't. You can get saved wherever you are at any moment. But you're afraid to step out in faith to tell the world that you're a follower of Jesus because you want to be embarrassed. And what that is, guys, that's pride. You value your pride more than Jesus. For others of you, it's some sort of fleeting pleasure of the flesh. Whatever it is, you love that thing. You love that moment of ecstasy. Whatever it is, more than Jesus. Still others of you, it's some intellectual superiority that you're hung up on. Whatever it is, Jesus is better. I promise you. You need to make him number one, right? By repenting, believing on Jesus, making him your Savior and Lord. But even when we do that, even when we repent and trust Christ and make him number one, there are things that are constantly trying to usurp that position of first priority in your life. Can I get an amen to that? Would, would y'all be transparent enough this morning to say, yeah, I trusted Christ at one point, but every day or every week or every month there is something that is trying to win my heart more than Jesus has won my heart. Man, goodness gracious. Ben's preaching to himself here. 
trying to creep in and, and become your highest priority. So is it your family? Family can be an idol, church. Is it your job? Well, preacher, now listen. You know that I have to work 40 hours a week for a living. I ain't got all the time to spend with Jesus like you do. I don't want to say this morning. I'm not talking about the quantity of time. I'm talking about the priority. The priority of your time. What is the first thing you think about in the morning when you wake up? What is the last thing you think about when you put your head on your pillow? Uh, what is the first thing that you give your attention to when you're on break or, or, or when you're in your own free time? Jesus wants to be the priority of your time, of your money. He wants to be the priority of your heart. Don't put anything before Jesus. But there's a second don't here in the text, and it's this. Don't sugarcoat the extreme nature of true discipleship. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. To be a Christian is a radical calling. It is not for the half-hearted. It will cost you everything. It'll cost you relationships. People will walk away from you because you follow Jesus. And let's be honest, you may have to walk away from some other people because you follow Jesus. It may even be people in your own family. Matthew chapter 10, 34, uh, verse 35 and 36. Matthew 10, 35 and 36. Here's what Jesus says. He says, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Jesus says in our text here, Luke 14, 27, he says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciples. And so I say to you this morning, in full transparency, following Jesus is not always easy. Amen? It's not. It's not always easy. There is a high cost to following Jesus. One time this old preacher was out shopping a little bit. I guess his wife was shopping. That's usually how it goes. And he was kind of meandering around trying to kill some time. And he came by this Christian bookstore there in the mall, and something in the big display window there caught his attention. In this window stood this beautifully crafted wooden cross, but that's not what caught his attention. What caught his attention was the big poster that was beside that big wooden cross. And here's what the poster said, crosses for sale, half price. And as he stood there, staring at that poster and at that cross, the old preacher's heart sank because he knew that there is no such thing as a half-priced cross. It cost Jesus everything. And it will cost you everything. You see, Jesus didn't want people to come into Christianity under false pretenses. He did not want to be that slick door-to-door salesman that you may get who's simply trying to get you to sign on the dotted line. You see, the Christian life isn't all fun and games. It's not all health and wealth. It's not all prizes and prosperity. Oh, if you just accept Jesus, your life will be awesome. I would love to be able to stand here and tell you that because that's easy. Right? You would like me so much more, you know? The truth of the matter of fact is, is that when you trust Jesus, 
you often put a big target on your back for the world and the devil to shoot at. So beloved, the Christian life is one that's often filled with hardships. Again, Jesus is no slick door-to-door salesman telling you all the good and none of the bad just so you'll sign on the dotted line. No, no, no. Jesus is a truth sayer. He loves you enough to not sugarcoat the Christian life. Therefore, he says, look at verse 28 through 32 in our text. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other's yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. What is Jesus saying here? What, I mean, what are these stories getting at? And here's what it is. You must count the cost. Yeah, Jesus is better, but there's a cost. And you must be willing to endure that cost. You know, one of the worst things that American evangelicalism ever perpetrated upon the lost and dying world is a watered-down, weak, easy believism, no-cost gospel. Pastor John MacArthur, he noted that the true gospel has increasingly been replaced by a consumer-friendly counterfeit. Listen to what he wrote here. He said this. He said, the first role of successful merchandising is to give consumers what they want. If they want bigger burgers, make their burgers bigger. Designer water bottles mixed in six fruit flavors, done. Mini vans with 10 cup holders, give them 20. You've got to keep the customer satisfied. You've got to uh, modify your product and keep your message to meet their needs if you want to build a market and get ahead of the competition. And then he he finishes up by saying this. Today, the same consumer mindset has invaded Christianity. Beloved, so much in American evangelicalism is like that slick door-to-door salesman who will literally do whatever it takes to get somebody to sign on the dotted line and then to get them into the waters of baptism. They don't care what they have to leave out. They'll have that thing so sugar-coated that a diabetic coming within 10 feet of that thing would go into a shock. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that sugar-coated, beloved, that's not the way of Jesus. Don't. Don't sugarcoat the extreme nature of true discipleship, right? Jesus wants you to know up front that making him your highest priority very well might cost you everything that you hold dear on this planet. But listen to me very closely because this is important. Whatever you lose on this earth, based upon the authority of God's word, will be given back to you a hundred times over in heaven. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark 10, 29 and 30. He says, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. 
there's a cost. Yes, yes, there's a cost. But at the same time, yes, the gain infinitely outweighs the cost. So I say to you, run to Jesus. Enjoy Jesus. When that thing tries to come up and take over the priority of your heart and be in that number one spot and to sit on the throne of your life, rest, cling, hold to Jesus because nothing compares to Jesus. He's totally worth it because he is the most precious thing on earth. You know, in the beginning this morning, I I shared with you some important dates from my life, the dates of my birth, the date of my anniversary, the birth of my children. And I want to say to you, while these dates are important because of the dates, because of the people that are represented by those dates, the most important date in my life was that day in the spring of 1997 when I repented and trusted Jesus. Church, I say to you this morning, Jesus is greater than everything in the world. And here's my final prayer. May we renounce, may we renounce everything to receive the fullness found in Jesus. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, 
Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.